0: What's going on, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on the dot on the East Coast. It is September 13th, and you're watching and listening to the Daily AI Show Live. Welcome, everybody. Today, we're talking all about the CEO's Guide to AI. Um, so really what we want to talk about today is, um, you know, if you're a C- not even a CEO, but a CXO, right? Somebody in, that, in a top-level position, you could still be a, a solopreneur, I suppose, but we're thinking more about if you're in charge of leadership at your company, if you have, you know, maybe a company of 50 or more, maybe slightly smaller than that, um, what do you need to be thinking about? What do you need to know about as far as AI in order to sort of future proof your business, if there is even such a thing? And so there's, there's two topics we want to kind of talk about today. One of them would be um, what they call responsible AI. So our AI, and then the other one is ethical AI. So just sort of how they both come into play. And I think probably the best person to jump in on this since he's sat in a CXO role for quite a while is Andy so Andy what do you want to start off with on this one
1: uh, well uh, some uh, people beyond me are thinking about the frameworks that uh, CXOs can use to enter into this with strategic intent and you know good preparation and so this responsible AI framework is the, fir- the first I've heard of it is here uh, you know on this show. Uh, but I'm sure it's something that's, that's going to catch on. It includes strategy, governance, process, and culture, as you know the items that I want to focus on. Strategy right now. So there are, you know, the first thing that a CEO needs to do is to align the approach to AI with their strategy. Now let's just take the three generic strategies: looking to be cost leader in your marketplace. In order to be effective and, and grow your market share, or you're looking at differentiating so that your product is distinct and different, or you're focused on a narrow customer set and you're becoming the expert at satisfying the requirements of that customer. Well, every single one of those strategies has a slightly different angle through which you can employ AI. So, for example, let's Take uh, cost leadership. This is an area where I think most CEOs are already thinking about it because there's a promise out there in the market space for AI that you can attain operational efficiencies that will reduce your costs and actually improve the quality of your service and product while maintaining competitiveness so you can really start to optimize using the tools of these AIs, which have reasoning capabilities and action capabilities, which when coupled with automations can really help you reduce costs. And the objective here is not to reduce employee count. It's not reducing a, a, a headcount. You want to really invest in the skill, the upskilling of your workforce and make sure that all of them are using AI in appropriate ways in order to achieve those operational efficiencies. The next strategy would be differentiation. This is really about innovation. Uh, You know, capabilities of AIs like brainstorming uh, and identifying blue oceans to address. Those are things that can help you in that strategy. And those are serious capabilities of AI. It's not just about cost reduction. It's really about creative examination of a wide range of of possibilities out there. Finally, on focus as a strategy, uh, you, you know, you want to be expert at your well, let's just say what you want to do is personalize your approach as a, as a marketer and as a service provider to that area of focus that you've identified. And AI can certainly help you with that. Uh, so you've got to pick your strategy or identify the strategy you're already p- pursuing and then use AI to amplify that, to help you and your team, like get the team using it. And I'm a big advocate for beginning now. The the steps that you can take, we can talk about this later in the show, and I'm sure my colleagues here will have some ways to suggest how you can get your employees to be actively engaged with these tools in order to improve the capabilities of your overall organization. There you
0: go. Mic drop. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, that was (laughs) great.
0: I I wonder, Andy, you know, just as a follow-up question for me is, you know, we talk a lot about you need top-down support, you need bottom-up support. I mean, I think we've we've hit both sides of it, you know. With your experience and what you did at, you know, and, and other experiences you've had in that, you know, that CXO role, you know, how important do you think it is when you look towards the future of AI to have that top-down support? And what what does that look like to you in order to implement that?
1: Yeah. So the top-down support is really essential because there's fear in the workforce. There's fear that AI and its use will will you know second them, and that's not really going to happen if and only if they have an optimistic, enthusiastic, and supported approach to learning themselves how to exploit the benefits of AI. So. Top-down approach really means you're going to be a cheerleader for AI and you're going to be, you know, uh, one of the key steps is to identify those people that are already excited about this area and encourage them, provide encouragement, not only in the form of your personal attentions to the people who are actually taking advantage of it, but also some money. Make some investments in, in supporting this because it does cost a little bit of money Don't make that a burden that each individual employee has to bear themselves. This is an investment in the capabilities of your team. Yeah,
0: I love it. And that kind of goes to what you said, Carl, you know, as far as like finding those internal champions, you know, you've talked about that a lot with, you know, your business model as far as, you know, that's the best way in a lot of times is to find those champions and sort of land and expand. And it seems like that kind of goes along with what you're saying, Andy, about, you know, supporting those internal champions from inside the business as well. And, and not making them feel like, you know, like you said, I know I feel it some days. Uh, there's definitely been costs that I've gone to my, my company scaled and said, Hey, you know, I've been paying this 20 bucks for ChatGPT plus. Can you take this off my, my uh, you know, my plate? Um, and, you know, yep, we can do that. Brian, you're using it all the time. Now other things like a mid journey or a 11 labs or, or whatever it is, you know, these things kind of add up. So I, I even feel the pressure. I feel the pain, not the pressure, the pain. Sometimes as somebody who's like actively trying to be at the the cutting edge of AI to figure out how it can make me better at my job, and I'm lucky that I do have internal support, but I also deal with clients all day long from the LinkedIn strategy side to the AI side who say, "Brian, I would love to be able to do what you're telling me, but I'm going to get slapped on the wrist if I even try," and that's that's unfortunate, you know?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you, you have what Andy described the CEO's kind of C C-suite's role and helping to create an environment that's safe for them. And then you have um, uh, companies that just don't do that. And and, it, and it basically you can't do a bottom-up approach if you don't have the top down. It really it does start with leadership, which gets to what I was going to talk about is, you know, the C-suite, the owners, the, those in, in is specifically responsible for setting strategy. I think when you're talking about safeguarding tomorrow's businesses, that's going to be the, something that I think is going to be needed to, uh, be folded into the mission, vision and values, the strategy as well. And, and the responsibility of seeing the vision of the company. What, what I'm saying is all, all that is, is how is your product and how is your service being impacted by your consumers? Are, is your product and service uh, uh, volatile enough that AI will make your clients go to an AI solution over you? Now, obviously if you're a uh, buying you know, an energy drink or a beer, it might not be as affected, but it it might be to some degree. So I think that the leadership really needs to look at how their clients and customers are engaging AI now or in the future and and pivot now before before that happens, before they can lose before they lose market share.
3: So Robert, I wanted to jump in there because so our company right now has what's called homecoming. So you know we get everyone from around the globe coming to to Calgary to, you know, talk about usually, you know, what's on the horizon and so on. And it's funny because yesterday was, you know, our all our C-suites talking about, you know, the various priorities. And I you remember that um, when Google had their announcement and there were memes about how many times Sundar yeah. said AI. Yeah. It was literally the same thing yesterday. AI, 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 every, like from our fine our CFO to our CEO to our CTO. And I think too they can now this could be for different different for different industries and different companies, but they are I think there's a little bit of a hint and worry that even though you know we're the leaders in the market in our industry, it's not going to take very much, right? It's not going to take very much for AI to come in and look you know, certain softwares. And just like, yeah, like, do you need a company of x people? Can you create a company of 10 people to take on a company of a 1000 people or 2000 people or 3000 people? So I think as as you know, leaders of the business, you have two things to look at. One is, you know, if you are the leader and have a huge enterprise, yeah, you better be able you better start pivoting your people, and encouraging to use and encouraging integrated into your products. But if you're the leader, if you're one of the ankle biters, you're like, we have the ultimate level, like we can level the playing field right now, like right now, you can level the playing field. So it to me, it's an exciting time for all. But I think there's a little bit of a danger that enterprises, even though they have the infrastructure, they have all the stuff set. But there is that great equalizer that is coming and it's coming faster. And it won't take very long for those to me, those ankle biters to be like, it will wipe out those enterprises because we can get like we now have the tools to do it.
2: Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's a good, interesting. You said I was on a podcast yesterday, the Constant Contact podcast, and he asked the question, he's like, oh, enterprises is going to you know jump at this AI stuff. It's like, actually, no, they're they're slow to move because you can't it's hard to turn a cruise ship. Right. And the nimble ones are the ones that are going to absolutely capitalize on it. This is the great equalizer. Um, and uh, to your point, Carl, I think that's that's really where people listening to this podcast, or if they are, uh, they that's that's the beauty of this particular state. Uh, the enterprise, we're going to do it, but they're going to be slow to move. it would be next year. And they might not be able to implement it as effectively as. But you'll be able to do a smaller team and actually get to a competitive level with some of your competitors who are double, triple your size. Uh, yeah. On that
1: point, it's so a great that, equalizer idea. Uh, There was some research I read months ago now that what AI does in the context of organizational behavior is it brings the mid-level capability employees up. It doesn't change. If you've got your A players, those A players, they become A plus players, Mm -hmm. but it's the Bs and the Cs who suddenly are at B plus and A minus as a result of the ability that's
4: extended through AI.
3: So here, here's yeah, that, another thing that we, oh, sorry.
4: I was going to say, um, I was reminded of yesterday. There was a, I don't know if you guys saw it, there was a, uh, I think it was a TikTok from Rachel from the AI Express. And she was basically saying that if you're looking at AI as, you know, you're the owner of the business, the CEO, if you're looking at it as a way to reduce manpower, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot in the long term. And I suspect that there are a lot of people who are thinking that. And I want to encourage anyone who's the CXO who is in a position to impact, you know, to impact that, think very carefully before you just willy-nilly get rid of people because that will come back to bite you in the posterior, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing also is that you know, just what um, uh, Andy said about taking B players and C players and raising them up. From a marketing perspective, something simple like content writing, writing a blog post. ChatGPT can pump out a blog post in a minute. Before, you had to hire someone. Even if it was 8 or 10 bucks an hour in a third-world country, it still took them half an hour, an hour to write an article. You'll get something in two minutes or one minute. So you can take the not-so-great performers and raise them up using AI. So it's really something to think about. Yeah.
1: I, I want to make on. one other point. But before any CEO or CXO out there starts feeling like, oh, Urgent, gotta gotta move now. Yeah, you should start now, but relax because you're way early. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to us speak, you're way early. I read this morning that in the United States, between character AI, which is really up and coming, which is largely used by young people on mobile phones, and Chat GPT, there's approximately 10 million monthly active users. That is tiny. Uh, and the six yeah. million is the representation of what's probably happening among employees that you already have who are active on Chat GPT on Open AI and using it, and they're using it in rudimentary ways at this point. Uh, y- there's a level of sophistication that's achieved through you know <laughs> prompt experience and prompt training to leverage and, and amplify what you can do with Chat GPT and others. Uh, and, and this is all going to emerge very quickly as the big players, Microsoft, uh, you know, um, who, there was an announcement today also the Salesforce. Yeah, Salesforce is launching their uh, apparently quite expensive, but very r- replete system for everyone who's using their CRM systems. Uh, so it's going to happen, but you're so early to the game. Take your time, do it strategically, and make sure that you're you're and you know, not resistant to it that you're encouraging your boys, yeah.
4: just don't procrastinate.
0: So what I would so say to that is like just that, to add to that real quick, and what you're saying, Andy, and what you're saying, Robert, is like also, I think a lot of people think the first step of AI is somehow using AI, and it's not really. It's like, I think, when I hear when Robert's talking about enterprise, like or the ankle biters versus the ankle biters, you know, could, could a highly efficient team of 10? Move faster and more nimbly to compete with a whatever 200,000 or two thousand employee company. Yeah, we've seen that. We've certainly seen that in the past where they're able to move faster, adjust, pivot, all those good things. Um, But I also think for the enterprises, like if you have good leadership, if if I was in leadership, I would be at this point saying, okay, it is early. I don't have to have all the AI solutions right now. But what would be super helpful is if I started talking to my next level down leaders and then maybe next down level. So, you know, directors and then managers and saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start mapping out all the processes that are part of it. If it doesn't exist, it needs to exist. Let's create a notion page, There's whatever we got to do internally and start talking about what these individual pieces look like, because ultimately when those are identified, those will be the actual individual pieces that then could perhaps be replaced by an AI solution. But if, but if you just know this, this machine runs forward and you don't really have a strong, from leadership, understanding of why or how, it would be a great exercise, I believe, for any leadership to really start digging in deep and saying, hey, we, we can see just over the hill, which is like I talk about all the time with AI. We can, we can peer over the next hill. We may not be able to see the full impact of what's coming but we, all of us, all seven of us have a, a decent idea of what is in fact coming. We can see just far enough ahead into the future. And so I think any that's not, that's not proprietary to us, us seven. That's anybody who cares to know a little bit and look a little bit into AI can see just a little bit into the future. So if that's the case and you know what's coming, all right, what can you start doing today to put your, your you know, business in the best place possible for taking on these new innovations Tomorrow, And I think a lot of that, a lot of times I talk about it a lot, I know, but it just goes back to just having a better understanding of what's going on or how the how the ship actually moves through the water. And I, I'm always, I guess, baffled or amazed would be the word when I work with companies, big companies, companies that we publicly believe have it all worked out. And it's a mess. <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> and it's like, they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Sometimes you think like, how have you made it this far? And it's kind of shocking, you know, so anyway, it just makes me think of that. I do think if you're enterprise, you absolutely can still be super um, ahead of the game with AI. But it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take that top down to to work its way down into the workers, the end users, and talk to those end users and say, what are you, what are your process? What do you repeat day in and day out? What is what is something that you would love to have taken off your plate? That drives you mad because it's so monotonous and so routine and so below your skill level, which God knows there's so many things that we all do that are below our skill level, but are part of our everyday job. And then get those end users to start thinking about, yeah, you know, if I didn't have to spend 40 minutes every week doing this one stupid little thing and I could automate that, that would make my life better. And then that information rises back up to the top. A plan is put in place. And now I think you have something you can actually build off of. Um, I just worry about businesses that are just doing the wait and see.
5: So uh, absolutely, like tap into your business analysts on your staff or like reach out to to some business analyst consultants because mapping your processes, we talk a lot about how the data is the gold, right? We're going to mine the data because we know so much, but actually knowing what your processes are even like. Uh, are even more fruitful, because mapping out that structure, A, you have engaged with the people who are doing that, right? So you're already having those conversations, really easy to add into that. So, you know, what is the, uh, if it doesn't surface in the interview, uh, what what are your pain points here? Like, what would you love to see? Um, and they're seeing, the people who are doing the test are already seeing opportunities for um, for where AI could be more efficient. It could be exciting to them. It could be fearful, right? But those conversations are not only really fruitful, like good, you're going to see all these opportunities, but you're also going to start the process. And again, that's not adoption of AI yet. That is prepping your house. And there are all kinds of efficiencies that you may see in that that don't involve AI, right? Like I, it's a, it's good for It's you, a anyway. process. Yeah, I mean, it's a process that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that may uh, <clears throat> pay for itself without doing anything else, right? I have
1: a visual for that mapping process. It, let me, if I can share that. Give me a second here. Sure. Yeah. So
3: Andy, while you're pulling that up, I just want to, yeah. there's one thing that I want to, that I've seen, especially from our company, where even if you give people the tools, And even if the CEO and all the C-suites say you should use it, it, there's too much stuff to use, right? So what I've seen is, oh, you should use it. I use it. These are the things you... And there's no specific things you should use it. We should use it for coding. You should use it. I think you actually need to have either education teams to educate them on, you know, how to prompt, how to, like if they're in design, how to use mid journey, like all the different things. Because if you give somebody, even if you just give them, Hey, here's the enterprise version of chat GPT, like everyone else, you're like, Oh, I'm just going to ask it to do something like Google it. And it'll write, Oh, okay. It's okay. But how do you get them to actually integrate it into the workflow? And you're right, Brian, you need to actually do it you know, like, Hey, what are the tasks you need? Like, how can it decrease your improve your efficiency by 30% decrease the repetitive task by 40% but you actually have to go out and do it because even if you just if you passively let people just do it, it's too overwhelming. They don't know where to start. Right. right?
2: right? Marketing Institute on their podcast, they mentioned this. I I like to think of it like Right now, if you're hiring an accountant and they don't know Excel, I mean, you're not going to hire them. It's like it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. If you're going to hire a graphic designer, they better understand Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop, right? But now you're taking in a technology or a tool and you're thrusting it upon existing workforces and saying, here's a new tool. And without any training, like you, you'd better. And there's yeah. going to be a whole new AI ops as as uh, Rachel is a big fan of, but other roles other opportunities for companies to come in and basically be those trainers to to onboard the employees on these technologies because you can't just say you know turn on copilot and be like have fun with it that's going to happen and and you're going to have to have a rollout i don't think microsoft has the bandwidth to train every single um user of their platform
1: okay before we shift uh topics i just want to share this quickly uh, this is a this is a business functions map, uh, and you can see it, this is like the exhaustive list. Uh, this is from uh, something called Lean IX, Lean Nine, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's the idea. Look at every function and list every business process that's in that in your organization. It won't cover all of these. But uh, that's the first step that Beth
0: was talking about. Yeah, not overwhelming Uh, for a lot of businesses.
6: I would like to make sure that uh, we take just a couple minutes to talk about uh, another of the key point that we're trying to cover today, and that's ethical AI. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on that. Um, I'd like to start off with talking about having, uh, one of the main things about ethical AI is to have human-centered design. Uh, And we kind of touched upon upon that a little earlier about making sure that we uh, we make sure that are moving forward, that we have humans in the loop. Right. And that's a that's a common saying amongst our community um, for for multiple reasons. Uh, And then just cover a couple of the general ethical principles that we want to make sure that are employed in our AI system, like, you know, transparency. Uh, w- want to know how the AI came to uh, to its uh, decision or its response. Um, things like accountability and sustainability and things like that. So please, what are your thoughts?
4: I mean, the obvious one to me is, and it's not sort of super high on the list of ethical, but it's still important, is, is fact-checking. We all know that AI does hallucinate. So if you're putting... Uh, content out there, whether it's marketing or otherwise, you want to make sure that somebody's checking to make sure that it's accurate and there's not some woo-woo weird stuff that chat GPT just decided to throw in because it was bored. So, you know, that might, if nothing else, that that helps you not look so bad in the public eye, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's like, if I'm a, if I'm a CXO, um, I'm going to be focused on, you know, equity. And making sure that in a world where there's a lot of work from home or hybrid and stuff like that, um, really diving deep and making sure that there's fair, you know, access for different socioeconomic reasons on your workforce for people who have access to these tools. For instance, we know that Aaron has talked before, he's in um, Australia, doesn't have access to Claude. Well, that could be a very big hindrance to Aaron if he's on a team and that's not, being, that's not being brought to light, that Aaron would have now have a disadvantage if the rest of the team is using Claude and he doesn't have it. Or we can look at it from the financial side of things. These tools do cost money as we were talking about at the beginning. And so if the rest of your sales team has has chosen... To pay twenty dollars extra a month in order to have GPT four, advanced data analysis, all the plugins, access to the internet, that's pretty damn huge. And if somebody else is also on that team, but maybe we don't know and they're, you know, it's month to month for them in their family or they're taking care of their elderly or whatever the reason is, and twenty extra dollars a month is just not on the table. I think as as your your executives, you need to make sure that there is equity when it comes to AI so that, yeah, you're championing it from the top, sure, but you also have to make sure that everybody has equal access to the tools that you're saying are the ones that are going to change the difference. Otherwise, people are going to find themselves out of a job because their performance and their efficiency is going to suffer in comparison to their counterparts, and it may not be their fault.
2: Yeah and so better, although I would more- partially agree I would say there's also the behind the, the opposite of that that you you got to be careful of cuz are you going to deny access to those who can not afford to pay on their own if you decide you're not going to pay for it as a company cuz then you're mm-hmm. like no oh. you don't do that that's terrible that's like you're, you so you you're basically penalizing people for taking initiative and uh-huh. spending their own money to go out and use a tool so I I partially agree that yes you want to make sure that it's equal across the organization but if you decide not to make it across organization, and you pay for it, then you can't forbid people from using it just because you're trying to protect a few people that don't have access. I, I, there's, I would-
1: there's economic ways to make it accessible in the organization. And uh, one of the ways to do that is to have a central account, you know, a company API key and express access through Slack or some other tool and allow everybody to use it for any purpose, whatever. And then you will see, uh, 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 maybe Slack doesn't do this exactly, but you, you could easily see what the, the traffic level is mm. by individual, but you're not paying $20 per seat for people who aren't using. So it. So it's not that's the simple, it, it might yep. be simple to just pay for everybody's account with the open API, but that's not probably the best and most economical So, so here,
3: here's an interesting thing too. So let's say the company, you know, gets an, uh, an enterprise, uh, license, but it isn't GPT four, it's only 3.5 for everybody. And then it's four for, for a couple people. We all know the difference between 3.5 and four, right? You know, the, the, the gap that that's there. So what happens then? Like, who do you provide, which like, and th- that was, to me was interesting where, you know. I've seen some companies, okay, provide 3.5. Like, you know, we can use it 3.5. And then there's some people who are like, yeah, 3.5 is not good for me. I can, I can do better. So I will pay the $20 for the four. So how does that play out? Because again, like the level of quality you can get out of a four versus 3.5, there's a huge, huge difference, which is just another, you know, little thing that I want to throw in there.
1: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I would I would base it myself just on evaluation of the work product that's being generated by the people yeah. who are using the tools. And if they're, if they're producing good output, you know, with GPT-4 and it's worth $20 a month for me to keep that up, I, I'll do it.
5: Yeah. Which comes okay, back- TLDR. Uh, so I'll do my TLDR while I'm commenting on that because that comes back to, as a leader, what um, are you... As a leader, how are you framing the environment in which people are going to engage in AI in your company to the success of the company and the success of the people, right? And that involves all of those things that we just said.
6: All right, quick, uh, (laughs) let's let's wrap it up. TLDR, one piece of advice, go.
4: Don't be scared. Mm -hmm. Stick your toe in the water and just try and look for um, uh, champions in your organization that people like us who would be enthusiastic enough to want to go further with it. So embrace those people to guide you. If you're not that great in that space.
1: Make it fun. Gamify the process of using it. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, Large language models can do astounding things. It's mind-blowing and educational and it's it's inspiring. So d- take away the fear, make it a fun thing, and encourage
0: everyone. Uh, I would say, you know, what I said before, which is just, you know, start start with the simple tasks that the complex task, but the simple move of starting to identify your processes and your tasks within your business, like you, Andy and Beth, you were talking about, because um, I think that's where you're going to have the biggest impact today.
2: Uh, the sky is falling. So <laughs> I believe that my advice is that there'll be two types of businesses in the future, those who use AI and those who are out of business. So uh, pivot now, adapt now, so that you're not one of the casualties of war.
3: And, and mine would be like, make sure to invest in
0: some sort of education for your business. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Beth, I don't know if you did, was yours TLR that the first thing you that said? Was my, you that
6: was yep. One? No, I'm done. Right,
5: so you we were,
0: we were <laughs> early on the and Jimmy, you wanna wrap it up?
6: Yeah, I'll wrap it up with uh, invest in your people. Uh, the more you put in your people, the better you're gonna get uh, output for your company, plain and simple.
0: Love it. Well, yeah. Well, I think that was, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. I went by so fast, like all of them do. Like, there's just so much value in there. I hope you got, I hope everybody who's listening or watching uh, got value out of this as well. I feel like i learned a ton, as always. Uh, we will be back tomorrow and Friday to do it again. Until then, this has been The Daily AI Show. Come check us out on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube or LinkedIn. Um, even expanding the podcast out to Apple and Overcast here in the next couple of days. So uh, you'll be able to see us on all sorts of different platforms. Come see us. All right see you guys
5: hi happy Wednesday pump day <laughs> yeah